Praise God. Thank you so much. Those on the platform, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 10. And um, I had a lot of thoughts in mind and, and just things that were stirring and some things that were agitating. And, and I really wasn't sure how all this was going to come together. And uh, I had a lot of thoughts written on paper, but I had no real text to use. And... Um, and early this morning, God gave me this text, and I want to preach this sermon. Um, I want you to really open your hearts, and, and you have to follow it. Uh, if you if you get faint-hearted halfway through it and leave, you're going to miss the best part. You're going to think the world's about to fall apart, and it's all going to blow up, and it's a horrible place to live. So don't leave halfway through the sermon. I'm just warning you, just telling you, or else you're going to go home depressed. So Matthew 10. Now, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, the NIV says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, it doesn't take a theologian to recognize that those terrible times are upon us. Now, what I see in, in my interpretation of, of what has happened recently in the last several months. And, and I don't know, if you're not a person that keeps up with the news, you're not going to be aware of how much is happening so rapidly just in the daily news uh, of things that are going on in our world. And not even prophetic, just things. But as I, I see and look, and, and even especially in the last few weeks, uh, there have been something like six major terrorist attacks in the world, along with hundreds of others. Uh, there's been this this assault against our police officers. There's been rioting in the street, all, all manner of things, just chaos everywhere. And what I see is what I call a demonic acceleration. Now, in Revelations 12, verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows his time is short. So this means that in the devil, he doesn't know the rapture, he doesn't know the end, he just knows it's coming. The Bible says that as he recognizes this, that he will accelerate pouring out his wrath upon the earth. And what we are seeing is demonic plans coming to fruition and to some degree, I believe, demonic panic because of the devil's understanding of his shortness of time. But make no mistakes about it, we are all after the same thing and that is the souls of men. Now when we consider the current climate of our world, the devil's agenda in the Middle East is now wreaking havoc on the world. The bankrupt philosophies that have been making their way into America for over 60 years have now come to fruition. And we see a very agitated climate in the cities of our country. From terrorist attacks to the current racial upheaval, the lawless push against all authority currently being seen in the attack against our law enforcement all over the country. 
The devil's spokespeople, many being politicians and judges. The race baiters like Luis Farrakhan and Al Sharpton, they're out in force. Spewing the devil's doctrine, our high court that is changing laws of the land to accommodate an antichrist agenda. Now, Just today in the news, Russian President Vladimir Putin put this into law. It will take place July 20th, one week from now. It will be illegal to share your faith in homes online, or anywhere but recognized church buildings. Now, I don't know if you understand what that means. Now, you and I, that may not mean anything here. We have brethren in Russia. We have churches all over Russia. They just made it illegal to do what we do in Russia. So we are certainly seeing a demonic acceleration on a world level as well as God's prophetic time clock moving at a very rapid pace and they're colliding. And I would say it will not be long now before God wraps this thing up and calls his church home in the rapture. I hope you're ready. I hope you're not playing games. But in the meantime, there is something deep and demonic and disturbing happening in our world and the cities of America. A demonic plot has come to fruition, colliding with Bible prophecy. The devil has positioned himself to wreak havoc upon the earth, in which the Bible says will culminate in Matthew 24, 21. There will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So that's where it's heading. Okay? So I want to take this text and and I want to bring a directive because the Bible gives us a very clear directive as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ concerning the day and the hour in which we live and our call to establish the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. And I've entitled this sermon, The Kingdom of Heaven is at Hand. Matthew 10, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold or silver or copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals or staff, For a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. When you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. In other words, if they receive you. Let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or hear your words when you depart from that house or city... Shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But beware of men, 
They will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver brother to death, a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end will be saved. I want to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want to first talk about the spiritual climate that we face Now, this text is really a microcosm of how things have been and will be until Jesus Christ returns. Ever since the fall of man, the tension between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan have been. This all accelerated once Jesus came on the earth because he came... uh, And he represented a gospel that was revolutionary. So when he came onto the scene, everything accelerated. And in Matthew 11 and 12, which we read, and many times we read it wrongly. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Listen to the NIV because they interpret some words for us. From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. So what it is saying, and when you look up that word violent, you find that that thought in there. And what it is saying is that the energy and the aggression of the kingdom of God has picked up pace due to the establishing of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came on earth, uh, something picked up pace. But along with that, uh, there is a pushback of hell that has been far more intense and focused than ever before, is what we're seeing today. So in our text, here's Jesus. He's sending his 12 disciples into the cities to preach. Preach the gospel and establish the kingdom of God. So Jesus has equipped them with supernatural power. In Matthew 10, 1, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. But along with this, Jesus gives some sobering warnings. And while... This particular text is not necessarily promoting a last day scenario, but what is caught up in this text is true of the kingdom and will always be true. So along with this supernatural equipping, Jesus then gives some sobering warnings. He says, first, you'll go into cities and you're going to be met with stiff resistance. In verse 14, whoever will not receive you or hear your words... When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. So you're going to run into these pockets of resistance along the way. Uh, For some of you, you're just becoming a Christian. I can guarantee one of those pockets, if they don't get saved quickly, is going to be your family. They're going to rise up against you. And this is a reality that we face. 
And then in verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. In other words, you're being sent into a hostile environment where you're going to be targeted from hell. You know, the minute you get saved and and receive Christ in your life at an altar or wherever, the target of hell is put on you. And this is why all the chaos once you get saved. Isn't it amazing all the things that happen? Because Jesus said you're sent out as sheep among wolves. And then he goes further in verse 17. He says, beware of men, for they'll deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. And then in verse 21 and 22, and brother will deliver brother to death, a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you'll be hated for my name's sake. Now, what's that all about? It's because within the same household, uh, the gospel is going to agitate or you're going to be in scenarios in parts of the world where it's illegal and, and family members are going to turn you in. But Jesus said, this is the way it's going to be. So here are the spiritual realities that we face as Christians. Now, Christianity has always been lived out in a hostile environment. In a demonically charged world. And you have to realize this. When you get saved and give your life to Christ, you've entered into war. All hell is against you. He will formulate anything and everything he can to dissuade you from serving God. And here we find the folly of today's megachurch movement in America. Because it's, in many places, it's nothing more than an attempt To make the gospel more palatable and less offensive and less demanding. But think about this because when the gospel, when it's preached, when it's preached in its true form, it's going to draw to its scrutiny and hostility. But it will also produce the supernatural and the powerful conversions that we're looking for. See, you can't push back on the gospel and, 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 and make it more palatable so people you know, aren't so agitated and see the supernatural and the, and the miracle conversion. You're not going to have both. But this is what we're, we're facing. Because the gospel by nature is confrontational. So just read, just, just off the top of my head, this, I was thinking of this one, but John 4. When Jesus witnessed to the Samaritan woman... What did he do? He confronts her sin and he infringes on her beliefs. People hate that. That's what they hate about you Christians. You're always judging people. No, we're just telling you what sin is and pointing it out for you. Because we really don't want you to go to hell. And letting you know if your beliefs are all funky. I got this call today. There's this woman. I don't know who she was. my, My number's on the flyer, so I get the calls. And so she's asking about what kind of church we are and she... Immediately said, so uh, you baptize in the name of Jesus, right? I go, what does it matter? Well, no, 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 because I go, it doesn't matter, right? She begins to make her case. And I said, you can be saved without water baptism, right? And she went on her spill. I said, okay, goodbye. See you later. And I hung up. Because it's a funky belief. It's wrong. But the church world today is doing all they can to take away that element of the gospel. And they're simply falling into the seducing trap of the devil. 
The problem is that to preach the gospel in the form and the fashion that Jesus gave us will cost. For our Russian brethren, it will now be illegal for them to do what they do and what we do every single day. I want you to think about that. So let me secondly talk about the establishing of the kingdom of God. So in our text, Jesus is sending them out. And in verse 7, And as you go, preach saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So think about this. This is powerful. He's he's giving us an understanding of the power of the Christian witness. and, And when you and I are active for God, that is exactly what we're doing. Now this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's a speaking of the rule of God. His kingdom is brought to bear upon this present world. Now, while it's true that the devil in his fallen nature has jurisdiction on this earth, he still doesn't trump God. You know, the, there's, a, there's a whole doctrine out there called uh, kingdom now, dominion. And it's a bunch of nonsense, and I don't have time to explain it all to you. Uh, but, it, but it totally misinterprets what, what this really is all about. So Jesus said, even in our prayers, our prayers need to have this language in them. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That this needs to be a feature of our prayer lives because he has commissioned us to establish the kingdom of God on earth in the midst of all the chaos. See, the kingdom of heaven is simply a nation within a nation. It's a spiritual nation of people that God has called by his name and established them in the nations of the earth. Uh, Peter speaks of this in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, They may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God on the day of visitation. So he's talking about a people that are called by his name. This is what the whole ecclesia is about. uh, The gathering, the church of Jesus Christ. uh, Amen. It's all about the kingdom of God being established on the earth through a people. uh, And Peter establishes our placement in the earth uh, as a people of God, uh, as the church of Jesus Christ, uh, We know that we will be taken out of this earth as the time of the end comes. uh, That this world is only a temporary place for us. Do you still live live that way? That this world's only a temporary place. This is not our end. This is not our existence. This is not what it's all about. So in our text, Jesus established our whole purpose and existence on earth. Verses 7 through 9, 7 through 8. As you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, 
freely give. We are called to establish the kingdom of heaven on this earth. How? Through the preaching of the gospel and presenting signs that will follow. This is how we impose and, and issue and usher in uh, the kingdom of God uh, into our workplaces, the kingdom of God in our home, uh, in our communities, in nations. Uh, it is through the proclamation of the gospel that, that the kingdom culture needs to be imposing itself upon the world's culture. The problem is it's all backward. God's people are, are, are just in a corner with their hands over their head while the devil's beating the crud out of you. While the world is wreaking havoc and, and, and drawing you away in fleshly lusts. No, it's supposed to be the kingdom culture that we are imposing ourselves on this world's culture. That's what establishing the kingdom of God is all about. And in Matthew 12... Here they brought to Jesus someone that was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. So Jesus cast the demon out of him and he healed him. The religious elites of the day accused Jesus of doing this by the power of Satan. But listen to Jesus' response, Matthew 12, beginning in verse 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So he's acknowledging this kingdom. If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then surely... The kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus is saying, look, this power you see, uh, it's establishing the kingdom of God upon you. And guess what? This world is going to be accountable for the kingdom of God upon them. This is why the whole premise of judgment beginning in the house of God. Because woe unto us if we're going to live this Christian life and never establish the kingdom. Never be evident the kingdom of God has come upon you. And the whole basis of the kingdom of God is to confront the powers of darkness, bring deliverance to those that are held captive, to be the voice of reason and truth in the midst of the lies and the propaganda of this world. This is why you should be a witness in your school. Because there are a bunch of lies going on in our schools today. A bunch of lies bunch of false teachings. We are called to establish the kingdom of God in the midst of it all. Here's John the Baptist. He's the forerunner that gets it all started. But once John was put into prison as they are trying to shut this movement down. The Bible says in Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's it. Clear as can be right there. You come on the scene and you begin to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And you begin to preach a message of repentance because the kingdom of God is here. 
And your blindness and the way you're living and the philosophies of the world, they're wrong. And you establish the kingdom. And in Acts chapter 1, here's Jesus crucified. He now rose again. He reconnects with the disciples who had scattered. He has to get them on board. We must establish the kingdom of God. And in Acts 1 verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He comes right back on the scene uh, and he begins to establish the kingdom uh, and forge this into these men because now he's passing this on uh, to the church, you and I. This is our calling, to establish the kingdom of God everywhere we go. We represent a people that are called by his name. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if you're not going to live like one called out of darkness, then get the heck out of the way. Because you're muddying the waters. Stop faking your Christianity and get saved. Because here's our calling in the desperate times that we're living in. We're called to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This begins by proclaiming the salvation of Jesus Christ and making a call to repentance. This is our mission This is our placement by God. This is our calling to confront the powers of darkness and the bankrupt philosophies of this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, unashamed, unintimidated, and full of the Holy Spirit. Because the kingdom of God is represented by a people that are actively witnessing, praying, pushing back on sin, Seeing people healed of sickness and disease and not being afraid of what this world is going through. And when the same people that fill our nightclubs fill churches on Sunday mornings, that's an absolute disgrace to the gospel. Stop calling yourself a Christian because you're a mockery to the name of Jesus Christ when you do that. When you're going to live in blatant sin, blatant disregard for righteousness, blatant disregard for people that are called into light, stop calling yourself a Christian. Stop. Just stop. Because we've been called to establish the kingdom of heaven. So let me then conclude with the demonstration of the kingdom of heaven. It's time to say goodbye to limp-wristed, powerless Christianity. It will do nothing for the world. It is the power of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that consummates and establishes the kingdom of God on earth. It was the day of Pentecost that consummated the church and entered it into this revolutionary movement It was all about establishing the kingdom of God, even in the midst of the Roman Empire and all the chaos and the persecution. They stood their ground and God empowered them with signs and wonders to follow. And he did miraculous things when they would get thrown into prison. An angel would show up and loose them from the shackles and bring them out and tell them, go right back and preach again. 
In our text, as Jesus sends them out, he sends them out with power to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to confront the powers of darkness. This is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. The devil has done a strategic job of confronting the baptism of the Holy Spirit as something archaic or something even demonic or obsolete. But I declare the thing the devil fears most is Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, demon-casting-out-witnessing Christians. That's what he hates. That's what he fears. So you know what we need? You know what the church needs? We need Acts chapter 4. Here they are. Persecution was ramping up. They were putting Christians in jail, making it illegal to preach. We're not far from that if the wrong people get into office. The heat was turned up by the authorities against the church. So the church did what it should always do. It gathered together to pray. That that ought to be our default mode. When all hell's breaking loose and things are happening or we're freaking out on the world scene, get together and pray. Have a prayer meeting. Grab your family together. Get some brethren together. Uh, Have a prayer meeting. Come lay hold of God. They did what the church should do. And in Acts 4, 29, here they are and here are their words. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They had no intention of backing down. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders would be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. A fresh dimension, a a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. Uh, The devil had infringed upon them. Uh, All hell was breaking loose. There was all manner of persecution and things happening that was getting everyone kind of scared and freaked out. Uh, They got together. They pressed in. uh, Had a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. A corporate prayer meeting at that. uh, Which is why we need to pray together as a church. uh, And the Bible says that God broke in amongst them. Just like the day of Pentecost all over again. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell. And empowered them and emboldened them. You know what needs to be at work in 2016? It's a powerful, supernatural move of God, followed by signs and wonders and miracles of every kind by you, God's people. Holy Ghost preaching and witnessing in the streets and to all that God would give us audience with. Because this is the call of the church. As Pastor Mitchell said, our only existence is to preach the gospel, is to bring the fruit of the earth to him. That's, our, that's the reason we exist. At least on this earth. And in our text, verses 22 and 23, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, 
You will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Think about this. You meet resistance here. People are persecuting you. Fine. Go to another city and preach in that one. And if it happens again, go to another city and preach in that one. Trust me, there's more cities in the world than the ones that will fill before Jesus comes back. It is not time to back off, bow out, cool down, or slow down. It is not time to give up, give in, grow cold, or become religious. It's not time to play church, to sell out some money, to take a spiritual vacation, or to backslide. It's not time to be intimidated, lose your fire, stop witnessing, or let fear take hold on you. It is time to contend for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit and begin to tread in miracle power and demonstrate the kingdom of God for all the world to see proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what time it is. Are things crazy? Sure. They're crazy. Can they be frightening? Yep. But we've been called in the midst of it all. Establish the kingdom. We're not bowing out. We're going out strong. And God has some miracles to show us. God has some, some book of Acts stuff to show us. I believe that. But this is the challenge for all the church. Every saint of God. You need to get that fresh fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit on you. You need to contend and break in where God lives uh, and get it all over you uh, and get bold for God and proclaim the gospel. If you're called to preach, get on with it. Stop dragging your feet, making excuses, chasing every other thing under the sun. It's time to put everything else aside and preach the gospel. Find your city, rise up, get your marriage in order and get sent out and let's do something for God. Because the devil knows his time is short, but does the church really know that our time is short? And we are called to preach the kingdom of heaven. When I come into a city, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's just a cakewalk. But that's my demeanor. The kingdom of heaven is here. And it's on. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. You're here. You're not right with God. You know, it really is a scary thought. And, and I, I think about it often. I'm not trying to exaggerate. I honestly think about it often. I think about eternity. Constantly. It's in my mind. Heaven and hell. We're not promised tomorrow. We live like as if we got it all under control. You have nothing under control. Life can sideswipe you in a moment of time and everything changes. The only sure foundation is Jesus Christ. The only thing that's going to stand in the long run when it's all stripped down, Paul says uh, that it's all going to be judged by fire. If you built on that foundation with other things, they're going to be burned up. You're going to be left just, just what you got. You better make sure that Jesus is in the forefront of it because he's, he's the only fire insurance. Not time to play games. Not time to play church. Not time to be lukewarm. It's time to get on fire for God.
Because God expects us to be establishing and demonstrating the kingdom of heaven. This is our call. You're here, you're not right with God. Today is the greatest day of your life. Greatest opportunity you'll ever have in life is right here. If you give your life to Jesus Christ tonight, it's revolutionary. You're living a curse. And I dare to say if you're old enough, you've tried plenty of things to overthrow that curse, not really realizing why you're the way you are and why you deal with the things and why you have the cravings and the addictions and the mindsets or the anger or the hate or whatever it is. It's because we're sinners. And as long as we're going to live in our sin, we're, we're open game for the devil. And what he does is he steals, he kills, and he destroys. That's what he does. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And that is available to you right now. You don't have to jump through hoops and go through 500 classes and all of this. All you have to do is go on record. God, I am a sinner. I don't want this in my life. I want to repent and turn to you. And tonight God will hear you. And you'll walk away from this altar and out of this church building tonight radically changed. Yes, radically changed. It's not a gimmick. what God wants. You're here and you need that. You're looking for that. You're ready for that. You're not right with God. You're ready to get right with God. I want you to just lift your hand up so I can see it and we want to pray with you. Lead you to this place with Christ tonight, this freedom that you can only find in Jesus Christ. You looked everywhere else. It was time to look right before you because here it is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is presented to you. Do you want a part of it? Do you want in? Well, let's go. Come on. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Lift your hand up. God's speaking to you right now. You're not right. Don't hesitate. Come to Christ right now. God's dealing with you. Slip your hand up all over this place. God's dealing with you. You're ready to give your life to Jesus. You're ready to get your name written in that book that assures you get into heaven. And if you get there on judgment day and your name's not in that book, the Bible says he'll say, depart from me. I don't know you. And there will be a forever that will begin. An eternity that will begin of separation from God in a place that's the worst place you could ever imagine. And God wants to save you from that tonight. But you have to be honest and ready. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus and surrender my heart. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. We're going to pray with you. Who's that? God's dealing with you right now. Put it up. Keep it up until I see it. Keep it up until I see it. You're backslidden. You need to come back. This is your time and your moment. Don't think that you're in control. I'll, I'll figure it out when I'm ready. No, no, it doesn't work that way. You're ready right now. God's calling you. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? God's dealing with you. Sitting in church. You sit in church Sunday. Sit in church Wednesday. But your heart's not right. You're playing a game. You don't have a testimony. The things of God mean very little to you. It's just a little thing you go through. I'll tell you what, you better sober up. Because things are coming down the pike really fast. And this is not no game. You're ready to get your heart right with God. Repent. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you right now. 
Who's that? God's dealing with you right now. You're ready to get your heart right today. Right now, God's dealing with you. Matter of fact, he's dealing with you. You haven't been dealt with the way you're feeling right now in a long time. You better not blow that off. You better not blow that off. Because there's no guarantee that dealing is going to come again. He's pressing you right now. You're ready to get your heart right. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. Who's that? Thank you. Who else? Where else? Thank you. Who else? He's dealing with you right now. It's a heavy dealing. As a matter of fact, I sense for somebody it's a dealing that you haven't had in a while. But it's on you right now. You better not take that for granted. Respond to Jesus tonight. God's dealing with you. Lift your hand up. Who's that? Who is it? Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. Put it up so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Okay, all of these that lifted their hand, I want you to stand to your feet and come meet at this altar very quickly. Don't hesitate. This is the place you need to be. Every other head is bowed. Every other eye is closed. We're living in a very sobering hour in time and history. There has been a demonic acceleration in the recent days. There's also been a prophetic acceleration. They have collided. And God is looking for the church to be the beacon in darkness. God is looking for the church tonight. That will let the fire of the Holy Ghost be real again. That Acts chapter 4 will break in amongst us. And capture us. And that we would not be in word only, but in power of the Holy Spirit. Get serious about the things of God and the will of God. And stop thinking we have forever because we don't. God in His mercy prolongs this thing. God help us to be sensitive to the dealings of God. God help us to be a people that would have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. That we can actually be dealt with by God. And not just sit through another church service, uh, go through the motions, we've heard it all, uh, uninspired, unmoved, walk back out, see you on Sunday. God help us. Get saved. Get saved. So we're opening these altars, and I'm asking you to stand and make your way to this altar tonight. Let God help you tonight. God's here to meet with us. There's a revolutionary force that God wants to pour out in our lives. The Holy Spirit of God. The endowment of His Spirit. This is the dispensation that we're in currently. God has placed it into our hands. It is our responsibility. It is our calling to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Preach it. Preach it. Stand for the truth. Point out the things that are wrong. Have compassion for souls. So many people are dying every day. They're just blind in their sin. They need somebody to illuminate them. Somebody. But stop them in the street. Have you heard about Jesus? 
Have you heard about how he died for you? He gave his life for you. He can set you free. Do you know the hope that exists today when so many are hopeless? You watch the difference. Because the devil's up the ante. A demonic plot has come to fruition. And I guarantee the devil's been working on this one for a while. And it has exploded on the scene of our country and our world. That means we need Acts chapter 4. That's what we're contending for. That's what we're pressing in for. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was all alone on a bunk in a military barrack. The lights were out and I was contending before God. And I was desperately seeking God fill me with the Holy Spirit and literally like a wind. God exploded in my soul. I began to come alive speaking in tongues like I'd never done before and carried me for about 30 minutes of just pure tongues as God just exploded in me. We need to keep that fresh. We need to keep that real. God help us. It's so easy to get carnal and sidetracked, misplace our affections. And while we're not always doing wrong and bad things, the question is, are you obeying God? Because that's really the issue. Are you obeying God with what He's asking you to do and be? And how to live. and Because that's the issue. Because we're here. To proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to stand and keep your heads bowed. Because there's a particular challenge I'm going to make to you tonight. Don't go to your seats. Everybody's head is going to stay bowed. And this is what God laid in my heart. One of the woeful things about today's Christianity is the lack of signs and wonders. It's woeful. I'm reading a book called The Nearly Perfect Crime in Ex-Catholic Priest. I'll be preaching a sermon out of it soon, but became disheveled at the fact that he would talk to all these people that were desperate and and, 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 you know, be the sympathetic figure, but he would never see lasting change in people. And he realized that it was because there was no miracle power in what he was doing. And he goes through a, a chronological step-by-step process to point out how the gift and, and the process of supernatural healings in the church was almost killed. Now I want to make a challenge to every Christian here. If you're Holy Ghost filled and if you're really want what God wants for you, I want, I want to make a challenge to you to start stepping out and praying for the sick. Everyone, every single one, man, woman, teenager, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you want more of what God wants and you want to establish the kingdom, this is the woeful problem in modern day Christianity. Where are the miracles? Where, where are the people getting healed and set free? Where are the radical conversions? They're going to come through God's people. 
Because Jesus gave them power. And that power was to see devils cast out and people delivered and healed. And it gave them power to stand in boldness when everything was coming against them. And they still stood their ground and they didn't back off. And the more the devil pressed, the more fire built in their soul. That's what we need tonight. That's what we need. I wonder how many would take the challenge. I'm going to start pressing in for miracles. I'm going to look at every turn and corner, every opportunity. I am going to personally look for an opportunity to be praying for the sick and believing God. I wonder if you're willing to step into that arena. I want you to lift your hand. Every head is bowed. You're still bowing your heads. I'm going to step into that arena. And I'll tell you, God is going to bring things your way. Listen, in the book of Acts, it was all the people. It wasn't just the the select few that God was using them. Pastor Mitchell tells us all the time, look, anything I do, you can do. I realize the Bible talks about gifts of miracles and of healing, but healing on a basic level is for every single Christian. If you're waiting for some special gift, just step out. Just step out. And let's see what God will do. I want to pray real quick. And right from where you're standing, if you're here, you're a Christian, but you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the way you know you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit is you speak in other tongues. That tongue you hear us speak in, you don't speak it. You need this because you can't have any of what I'm talking. You can be saved and be right on your way to heaven, but you can't have this power I'm talking about without this. That's why Jesus said, wait in that upper room, don't go anywhere until you get this because you're not going to establish the kingdom without this. You need this. This is not something, ah, take your leave. No, no, no. You want power. You want to withstand all the heavy trials of life and have something to dig into. You need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you're not baptized, but you're ready to get baptized. Just lift your hand right where you're at. If there's anybody here, okay, one, two, three, who else? You're not baptized, okay? Who else? Okay, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Okay, I need Holy Ghost filled men and women to surround these. Okay, surround them. You see a hand? If you're Holy Ghost filled, a guy with a guy, girl with a girl, and you're going to pray, we're going to all go on record right now. And listen to me. If you're getting filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen to me very closely. This is something God gives you. Okay, you can't do it right now, so you're going to know when God fills you, and it's a, it's a language that you don't have. When I begin to pray, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And then when we just begin to pray, I want you to stop speaking any other language. And I want you just to do everything you can to speak out in tongues. And as you just try, God is going to fill you right there, okay? Don't bring them to the front. You're praying for them. You're praying for them. You're praying for them. Okay, raise your hand again if you're getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. Surround them. Holy Ghost-filled people that believe God, that have faith. Help get a couple here. Guy on guy, girls on girls, and we're going to pray. And once we're going to pray, you're, you're going to get them into that mode of the Holy Spirit, okay? You guys are helping them. All right, here we go. I want you to pray with me. In the name of Jesus, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, I receive tonight this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me. I desire all that you have for me. God, fill me tonight with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, uh, I receive this uh, in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to worship. And you guys 
Press them through. If you speak in tongues, speak in tongues tonight. Holy Spirit, fill right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, press in with me tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Work on them. Listen to them. Are they speaking in tongues? If not, minister to them. Talk him through it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody help her. Help her. Help her. Minister to her. She needs to speak in tongues. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Fill her right now in the name of Jesus. There you go. Speak it out. It's right there. Hallelujah. Speak it out. Oh, just speak out in faith. Speak out in faith. Speak it out in the name of Jesus. Just speak it. Just speak it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, fill her tonight. Speak it out. Speak it out. Hallelujah. Let it loose in Jesus' name. There you go. Robo so roboco. Speak it out. Oh, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. It's right there. It's right there. Robo robo rosibiara Sunday. Oh, give him praise. Give him praise. Worship God tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, how many got filled? How many got filled? Raise your hand. If you spoke in tongues, you spoke in tongues, lift up your hand. Okay, you got filled. You got filled. Who else? You got filled. Who else got filled? You got filled. Who else got filled? Did you get filled? Is your hand up? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you didn't get filled, don't go home bummed. Contend for it. I, it took me a month. A month. I had so many sweaty palms on my head. And I apologize to you girls. I know I mess your hair up every time I pray for you, but it's just the way I do things. So just put extra hairspray next time you know I'm going to pray for you. Amen. We need to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. You watch what God will do. You went on record. You're going to start pressing in for miracles, whether it starts with just people around you in the church but it's going to filter out. And, and you're going to start believing God in boldness and clarity. And we're here to establish the kingdom of God. That is our position. I don't care what the devil's doing. I don't care what kind of movements are happening and what kind of chaos is going on. We are here in the midst of it to be a light that shines uh, and to bring people out of their nonsense into the truth of Jesus Christ uh, and be persuasive by the Holy Spirit. And as we'll do that, I'll tell you there's revival, folks. Unprecedented revival that will break loose and that's what we're waiting for we're not just waiting like lord please send revival no god i'm going to go and push revival through in the name of jesus hallelujah thank god amen god is good Whew. all right so we're going to dismiss the service right here why don't we bow our heads hallelujah god is good why don't we go George Rungy, I want you to lift your voice and dismiss us tonight. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, Lord, for your faithfulness, your patience, for giving us the power.
Yes. Amen. Hallelujah.